0: You're listening to the Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Mac. And I'm Vod, And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music.
1: But let me begin at the beginning. I met Alindi first at Helidium. He was a young lad then and had not yet been warped by a decade spent leading armies. Elindy's height struck me the first time I saw him. Here he was a man who towered over others, a man who, despite his youth and his humble clothing, demanded respect. All right, chapter 9. Chapter 9. And 10. Mostly ten. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. So chapter nine, everyone, uh if you listen along, uh like a good Vorren um, <laughs> no, That'll be
0: uh, really very relevant in the future.
1: <laughs> um but yeah, if you if you listen along, you'll know that chapter nine was like a five minute bit on on audio and I'm
0: sure It was a long epigraph. It was a long epigraph.
1: <laughs> so chapter nine, um Marsh again, like Marsh and Caesar are moving together and Caesar's just like, Marsh has really changed. Like he's like he he describes marsh as like staring at things that like aren't even there um he's like man his nickname iron eyes which by the way going back into book one (laughs) those that was one
0: of those we were sitting
1: on every time we heard it
0: (laughs) you're like oh my gosh i can't believe this was going all the way back to book one
1: yeah so he's like his nickname iron eyes is really like prophetic yeah and this is when says it was like me and marsh have like gotten together like you know i've gotten to know each other and i've been like relatively super friendly over the past time you know says it was like i believe that like marsh felt isolated you know he'd become one of the monsters that he wanted to destroy right if we go back into book one and kind of think about that he's like i'm gonna hit the steel ministry where it hurts for what they did to me and Kelsier's mother and here he is, one of the monsters I, he's probably swore to destroy, right? Mm-hmm. And so Seiza noticed that and tried to be really good friends with him. And Seiza's like, I'm just so surprised here about Marsh because I'm no warrior. And Marsh is like bringing me along for backup just in case we have to fight. Um, But whatever on that one. But Marsh Marsh really, like we, get, we kind of understand now why Marsh is bringing him. At least I have a good guess here marsh isn't bringing him for backup marsh is bringing him because he needs the long extended walk to convince Sazed that everyone needs him in luthadel and he's like no Sazed, like there are bigger things going on and our friends are going to need you in luthadel and marsh essentially convinces Sazed to go back he's like i'm going to go back you know but before that he's like i'm good like i need to do my job i already sent help you know, okay, whoever this help is. I already sent help. And Vin's better at better than Kelsier at Alamancy at this point, which if it's saying it, it's probably true. Right, and
0: he's <laughs> like, it's hard for me to fulfill my vow
1: when she's already pretty darn strong. But Marsh insists, you know, you need to be there. And it gives in. it's like, am I giving in because I'm really needed there? Or am I giving in because this is what I have wanted all along? And that was the end of chapter nine. Really quick there. Uh, so, going into chapter 10. Inside the steel ministry of Canton of fi- of a of Finance is where the assembly meets now. Here we are, we're at, I guess, one of their meetings. Um, the audience is encouraged to attend, like, even the common folk, to attend what's in the government. And Ellen's like, that was a good idea. And Vince's like, that's what he wanted, but no one really ever attends. It's The audience is pretty much dead. But... We get some name drops here, you know, we get some name drops, we get Lord, Lord Penrod, I'm not going to remember them all, but they're all going to come in at all points in the book, right? Mm-hmm. This is the mm-hmm. assembly. Brandon's already, from the very first chapter, has set them up as some antagonistic force at this point. They're always going against, you know, at least what Ellen finds to be the best interest of Lufidel.
0: But it's interesting to know like who the factions are because there's like a group of Ska, for example, who the Ska craftsmen, right? The ones that were like the only ones that even had a chance at having kind of a somewhat normal life, and now they've become super powerful because when they've been given the opportunities, they're actually better than noblemen many yeah. w- in many ways. Yeah.
1: Well, the noblemen didn't have to
0: do any work; they were just there purely through status. Well, I'm sure, no, but I'm sure there were some that like actually were pr- probably good at their craft. But these were like master Ska that because the master Ska could had to be very very good to yeah. be able to even have a chance yeah like clubs was a what was a master carpenter and so they were um um so they actually ha- have like a good powerful force and you know they start mentioning things whenever all this, these arguments come up but what what does ellen start talking about
1: yeah well we have lord penrod is one mm-hmm. of the names we have uh is it final
0: final something like that yeah
1: final something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um i just realized something funny enough uh, I had a and d game off topic for a second I had a and d game I, I called one of my characters fennel and I think this is where it was in my mind but I didn't think about it and I read that and went what <laughs> just like recently but anyway you have the different groups one thing I wanted to point out though before Ellen starts to talk is Vin notices that like everyone stares at her with a bunch of like animosity and like trying to figure out what she's about because she's like Some just see Vin as the assassin mistress for Ellen. Some see Vin as a puppet master. How much control does she actually have over the kingdom? Is Ellen the puppet and she's the one in charge, you know? And then some people are just like, this girl, you know, is a legend. We saw that with the way the Church of the Survivor treats her. You know, they treat her as, like, literally a living saint. And so she hates (laughs) this attention so much. But Ellen has the proposal that he's been talking about... uh, Basically, forever, which is, let me go talk to Stra- Like You, you as the council, are going to resign your right to turn the city over to Strath before I get to talk to him. Before there's an official meeting between monarchs. And, for the most part, we get to see how little respect Ellen actually has here. They ignore him. They interrupt him. They talk over him. They don't even talk about his proposal. They just start arguing amongst each They don't each even other. talk
0: to him. They just talk to each other.
1: Yeah, like, like, to talk to Ellen. It's like, he's like, what do y'all think? And one of them talks to, like, one of the Skull talks to the merchant and basically tells Ellen to F off while talking to the to the merchant here, right?
0: Well, it makes sense. Like, a lot of people want to give the city up because they're just scared that they're going to get caught in the crossfire. And the Skull are like, of course you guys are, you know, perfectly fine with giving the city up. You have nothing to lose. Yeah, you, yeah. What do you think they're going to do to us? And they're like, are you kidding me? They're going to kill the noble families that supported Ellen in the, in the, in the stuff. And then, so... I mean, there's a lot of reasonable politics going on here.
1: And the big thing here, right, is the fact that, like, we're getting a lot of this through Vin's point of view. Right. Okay. And Vin's like, you know, Vin's talking to him at one point and it's just like, it's it's weird because I think the ska, right, in our first, in the first book, we get that like almost uh, childish view of... The nobles have everything we want our peace and now that like they're in charge Ven even comes out herself and says ham this is ridiculous we need to like get rid of this assembly because not all people can be rich and most certainly not all people should have power. <laughs> she's and so, like i
0: can't believe i'm talking about this with ham <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: but but dude she's 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 basically talking about it right she's basically saying what's been going on this entire time the ska need less power but the noblemen need less power too she wants to keep the original like hierarchy because now ellen's on top and she's seeing he can't do anything that he, he like he can't do what he thinks is right for everyone because everyone's in his way
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's even a point where um Ellen mentions something about the obligators, and the obligators are some obligators chose to stay, and Vin's like, yeah, Ellen like said that they're not openly allowed to preach against rebellion, but they're still allowed to teach the Lord rulers
0: religion. And if it uh if Vin had her way. She'd have him executed. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so Fennel wants to give up the city because Fennel is a merchant. And they kind of have a good point here. Like it's right. The noblemen don't necessarily want to give up the city immediately because they're all gonna get killed. The ska don't want to go back to being slaves, but the merchants are like perfectly in the middle where they probably wouldn't even get touched or care about the change in leadership. Right. And so they want to give up the city immediately without a fight. And yeah, so we get to Ellen's point of view essentially here, and Lord Penrod supports Ellen, which is the interesting thing. Uh eh, somewhat. Well, <laughs> he supports ellen just not for the right reasons <laughs> well not for the same reasons <laughs> yeah wow well, when it comes to our hero's point of view not for the right reasons sure sure but yeah so lord penrod basically says we're going to support your thing here and ellen's happy and they pass the vote and he's allowed to go meet with Straff before they give up the city and lord and ellen's like lord penrod you you know you've done great things i'm so happy you see it my way and he's like Uh, you're you're like a foolish like here's the thing He's actually reasonable. I think Lord Penrose no, sounds yeah. incredibly reasonable. But he essentially says, no, you kind of have a foolish view of things. Like, we're going to lose this city, and you know it. I'm just trying to give us enough time. Essentially, I'm trying to give us enough time to talk to Straff so he doesn't come in and kill all the noblemen.
0: Well, yeah, he made the point of, we're going to lose. Like, I'm not going to say that we're going to win, and you're dumb for thinking that we're going to not win. But we need to be able to extract whatever we can when we lose so we can, if we can pass this city on and be able to get all as much concessions as we can.
1: Yeah. And Penrod, the thing that it was mentioned about him is that they've, no one has heard him ever publicly talk bad about the Ska. And right. he even says to Ellen, who knows? Straff is not the Lord Ruler. Maybe like, he goes, the Ska are never going to be in his chance of power while he's around. But maybe they're not going to be as bad off as they are with the Lord Ruler, especially if we give the city over. We might even be able to keep a little bit of rights for them. Like, but he goes, this is something we need to fight over now, uh, and that takes time, essentially. And Ellen's like, well, that, okay, I'll take it, but (laughs) that's not what I wanted to hear. And... The thing is, Ellen loses Penrod because he's talking and he goes, listen, like, that's not what Kelsier would do. And we see a visible pullback and it's like, and Ellen's like, oh, dude, I, I said that to the wrong group. That was meant for the <laughs> Like
0: Well, because Penrod's a traditionalist. And so the church is the survivor rubs him the wrong way.
1: It rubs him the wrong way. And on top of that, you know, Kelsier's history of violence source of noblemen are, is still there. We, mm-hmm. we knew he was changing near the end. But, like, all the noblemen saw was this guy, like, slaughtered everyone and orchestrated the complete overthrowing of
0: The government that they were in government.
1: power on, right. And so, yeah, he doesn't like that. But, anyway, Vin goes over to Ellen now, and Vin's like, Ellen, someone's watching you. And it ends up being a terrorist woman. You know, maybe the help says it since, you know?
0: But she's super Sus. sus
1: she is sus right she's like uh just staring this person down staring ellen down and and ellen eventually like like initially is trying to disarm vin like are you like in- insecure right now like you know i th- i only have eyes for you that whole thing and he gets interrupted by one of Club's messengers and ellen's like oh crap no is the attack happening is straff attacking and the messenger's like no it's uh it's interesting there's a second army outside now and that's where we're left at the end of chapter 10
0: oh boy so so i mean again this this well of ascension is very different from final empire um it it plays with a lot of big pictures we're starting to see
1: that um i I made i said it multiple times and i'll say it again um if you want to learn how to write big armies this is a good book. This is a
0: good book to read, and you know, this is also a great podcast to listen to. And you should let people know that we exist. Give us a rating, and we appreciate all the people who have been around with us. We're a small project, and we hope to be less small in the future. Yes, thank you so much. Um, but the um, we're starting to see the the players and the politics, you know, really come up, and it makes. A lot of sense. We didn't think there was no happily ever after that's going to be set in after the Final Empire fell. Oh, Ellen gets made king. Well, here's the thing: when we talked about the book, you
1: know, we we mentioned that yes, there is like you could stop in the Final Empire, and you're right. We just would. It's a good wrap up to the story. But I I agree with you. When the Final Empire ended, I could not fathom or imagine who would finish the Final Empire and go. Yeah, this isn't done yet. Like, like, mm-hmm. or, or this is done. This is done, and I'm just not going to continue on.
0: Well, so you have King Allen, um, and you have many f- um, factions inside this new government that are all trying to reasonably um, taking, you know, take over, you know, have uh, have their say, um, and it makes sense. when I mean, there's a power vacuum; someone's going to grab it. What's funny is that you would have thought that Alan becoming king would have been grabbing it. Uh, but he went ahead and, you know, he, he basically gave it all away, gave them an out. Um, and that's very in line with like what we've seen from him. Uh, you know, he's always he's actually been he's idealistic, not just idealistic, but even the first book, he was always like, you know, he knew his family had a lot of power and he was getting in with other people who had power. And these were people that were like supposed to be like rivals of his. And he was already saying, like, we're going to have a chance to change things. So he had the chance to be, you know, like I'm more powerful than you people, and I'm going, I'm going to make some changes once I take power. And he wasn't going to be like that. Um, so I mean, it's just interesting because it actually is a very realistic way of saying, like, oh yeah, the merchants they don't care who has power; they just need business to keep going. So uh, go ahead and give the city over. And the nobles you know, up and up that supported Ellen are like, uh, our lives are in danger, and the scar are like, um, dose. So. Like, yeah, we're they're 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 in a tight spot, um. But Ellen is sitting here like, look, let me just let let let's just start negotiations. Let's figure this out. We might be able to come out with still being ahead of the city, and Penrod comes out and says very reasonably, "There's absolutely no way you're going to get out of this. The only thing I'm trying to do is buy you time so that you can be able to get some concessions before we lose the city, you know, through violence or other means."
1: And yeah, another thing I think Lord Lord Penrod here is in insinuating here too is. Especially for what he said, right? Do we see, you know, if there is a peaceful turnover of the city, do we see Ellen making it out of this? Right. He, he He's not. Like, like, his father was already wanting him assassinated in the first book. There's no way Ellen makes it out of this. And
0: so, I mean, everyone's in a, in a really, really, really tight bind, which is... And it's much more broad you know the strokes are much more broad and and the changes are like global at this point you know all over a new nation and there are armies coming up a new army coming up even after Straff was there so that it would have to be some sort of force that would be able to threaten Straff otherwise you know why would it show up in the first place but like where did it come from Um, this is very different than the heist you know story that we had in Final Empire um And that's kind Um, of what... The heist just just has a new target. It's not the Lord
1: Ruler. It's not the treasury. It's uh, freedom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I can say, you know, in a kind of not spoiler way, it's like this is not like a, this is not like a, you know, where, uh, what was that movie with uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan? A Rush Hour? Rush Hour. This is not like Rush Hour where they like, they had a hit and they're going to keep doing the same movie over and over again. This is very different, um, but it's going to be, it's it's in a good way. And Marsh actually kind of spells that out. Um, Marsh goes up and basically tells Seiza, you know, hey, they need you up there. And Seiza's like, well, people need me out here too. And I have an actual impact to be made out here. And he, he, it's very reasonable. Like what he's saying, he's like, I'm teaching people and giving people things that they absolutely need, that they've been lacking for generations I'm going to be able to give them things I'll set them up for the next several generations. Um and Marsh is like you don't have no have an idea what's going being moved up in in and He's like you know my people of it were supposed to stay out of politics anyway, so but you know says always been against that. But he's actually, you know, they're both making really good arguments. Like basically Marsh is saying get into the story, get into the pit of like where everyone is and make big move, you know, be a part of the big movement that are being made politically. And says it's like if I make small movements all over the place, that's going to be a big impact, too. Um, I just thought that, you know, we talked about how chapter nine was like really, really short, but it actually was pretty interesting was, and meaningful. It's pretty for the telling. Story. Yeah. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like a microcosm of the story, like to say, like, look, it, the way I kind of almost see it is they say, you know, you're going out and trying to do big things. Out, there are small things out in the world. But if you hang out with this small group of people and you do the, you sit up here like big things are going to happen.
1: Yeah, they're trying to get the gang back together, right? It, Spooks back in town. Marsh is trying to convince Cesar to go back. You know, all that's left is Breeze,
0: and and, you and know right? it and March. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, um, so they're, yeah, they're they're trying to get the crew back together. Um, but uh, I just thought that was an interesting little microcosm of like what we're looking at and dealing with here. Yeah, and something
1: else too, right? You know, say is it men- mentioned sending help? And I'm going to jump to a conclusion and say that the terrace woman that we're seeing the only other terrace that we've seen other than what the random, the random terrace servant in the first book that was serving Lady Shan, mm-hmm. the only other terrace person we've seen so far. I'm really excited, right? Because we've gotten this whole aspect with the the servant for Shan. We just saw like. it it was just mentioned that they were terrorists. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't actually get to experience a terrorist servant.
0: Like, any servant could have done... I mean, other than Sazed, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But I'm saying, like, uh, the, the one we've been introduced to so far in the first book. Any servant could have done that. But here is a terrorist woman in a free... In, like, the new free empire here. I am so excited to see, like, the difference between Sazed and someone who potentially is going to believe... You know, more groundly in this in their culture and everything.
0: And that's that, that is a part of this is that we got mentioned about things like the terrorists. uh, We got thing, things mentioned actually a lot of in, in the, fir- the first book that we only barely got to get to see. Um, and the terrorist people are one of them. We're seeing what the scholar are like when they come into power. The merchants, as a separate faction, we actually didn't get a good look at. We always thought of them as like noblemen as in a group, but we can see that they're not all they're not all united. And in the next few chapters, we're going to find out what's going on with this second army.
1: Now, you know, we're going to see. This could be the bargaining chip Ellen needs. Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com ontos. That's patreon.com O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.